0: Uh, We'll we'll pitch this by Nick Shook, who joins us now from NFL.com and around the NFL. Nick, thanks a lot for doing this. How are you today? Good, how are you? Uh, We are doing awesome. Uh, I was just kind of making the point, like, it's over for the Seahawks. Like, this nice little run that they've had here, um... even if you salvage something of the season and get to say eight wins that's not necessarily appeasing anyone's appetites for what that the the expectations were for that team it was going to the playoffs have success you get shut out last night and i know the conditions weren't great and russ is injured but it's it's problematic and you already went through an off season where you had to calm the waters for your star quarterback what's this off season going to look like and Uh, For a team that's kind of aged a lot now, Bobby Wagner's going to be a bit older, Dwayne Brown's going to be a bit older, and you kind of look at the roster and they're missing some pieces that you would say are are star-level players. They have a lot of good players. I think there's a baseline to that team, but I don't see a lot of stars emerging on that team.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the last part I think you, you made is an important point, that it's aging, that it's a team that has been in contention for the majority of the last decade, and has built its team accordingly. You know, we're seven years removed from the 2014 season. We're eight years removed from the Super Bowl season. We're not relying on guys, if you're a Seahawks fan, who are in necessarily the early part of their career. And that includes Russell Wilson, um, who, you know, of course, not having him has, has kind of sank the uh, at least a portion of the season this year. But ultimately, it's a team that was, maintain to contend immediately because you have the guy at quarterback and you have some of the young players the young players aren't that young anymore and you've been spending capital to try to stay competitive you know sending two picks for jamal adams and and now being in this situation does it look great in hindsight no but at the time did it make sense of course because they were a team that's contending but because of the way the nfl is designed with parity and the salary salary cap and everything else it's extremely difficult to remain competitive without a bit of a dip and i think that you know, a season in which you lose your star quarterback and then get to the point where his first game back ahead of schedule is a disappointing game and, and, and it causes you to kind of look inward. I think that's all just part of the way the NFL is designed and, and it's very rare that teams manage, you know, to stay in the elite company for a long period of time. and And I just think that You know, if you looked at the Seahawks roster on paper going into the season, you saw some of the weapons, but it also kind of looked like a team that was in a bit of a transition or headed toward a bit of a transition and, and lacking capital doesn't help. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's an adjustment of expectations. Seasons like this typically force those types of adjustments of expectations. The downside is that your coach is not getting young. Your quarterback is not getting young. Um, so it's not like you're on the cusp, you're not, I don't know if I'd necessarily say you're going completely down the hill, but you're in a bit of a lull and it might be a lull for a little bit.
2: And and that's kind of leads into my next question, Nick, because I think a lot of people would obviously still look at Russell Wilson as, you know, very much a quarterback you can win with, but as you pointed out, you know, they could be headed for a lull. What's next for this organization? Is there a way for them to, you know, still make hay while, while they have Russell Wilson playing at a high level?
1: I think as long as you have him, you're going to be a competitive team. It's just a matter of are you an elite team? And I think because of the way the last majority of the last decade has played out in Seattle, that's the expectation now. And unless you adjust that expectation, you're going to be consistently disappointed, um, unless you get some flashes in the pan from from some unknown guys, your unexpected guys, and they've kind of gotten that here and there for the last few years. But um, ultimately, they're you know it's not enough to overcome the fact that it's, it's extremely difficult to, to remain in that elite club. So, you know, you mentioned too, that they're not getting the most out of a few key guys, you know, Tyler Lockett this year, they have not utilized him nearly as much as they did say for early in the season uh, that they did last year. And, and and you talk about DK Metcalf, he wasn't going out there and doing the Justin Jefferson thing. I mean, that makes that that's, you know, you want to see him do something like that. But again, um, I don't know if you're, you're not constructed in the same way. So, um, you can continue to be competitive, but you can't always expect to be a Super Bowl contender. The good thing about the league, and the reason some people watch it, is that being competitive always gives you the hope of being a contender because it's right. really hard to make it to the Super Bowl year to year. You've got to stay healthy. A few things got to go your way. So the door is almost always open if you're competitive. It's just a matter of,
0: hey,
1: you know what, we're a competitive team. We'll see what happens instead of Super Bowl or bust.
0: Nick Shook joining us from NFL.com or and around the NFL. So on Russ, because now this is kind of becoming a trend here, right? They went through Schottenheimer, they went through Bevel, now they have Shane Waldron. And, you know, in theory, you can see some of the principles of how an offense is supposed to work, and you think, okay, there are some 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 big plays here. But the middle of the field never seems to get targeted. Now I'm starting to get to the point of when you take away the special ability of Russ's legs cuz hey, he's getting older. He's less athletic than when he was in 2012 and 2013 and 2014. And you don't target a part of this field. How easy does that make how how easy does it make it for defense to say, "Hey, we can take away the the actual arm talent of Russell Wilson."
1: I mean, you can to an extent, but you always have to be, you know, where, like you said, of the, of the the threat to run. I mean, he's one of the better play extenders in the league and, and of the last generation. So, it, you know, getting out of structure kind of helps him make plays at times, which is always a nightmare for defenses. But you're right. I mean, if you're not, if your passing attack isn't balanced, then it's going to be a little bit easier. I don't know if it necessarily be hey, we're not going to pay attention to the middle of the field at all, but we're going to dedicate more of our game plan to taking away the outside. I mean, anytime I see a defense leave DK Metcalf in single coverage, no help over the top, I'm always like, what are you doing? You know this is their best chance right. offensively. And and so, you know, those are the, the defensive coordinators who kind of need to, to wake up a little bit. But I think as as time goes on and you realize that they don't necessarily – I mean, they got the deep middle. You could, you could hit it with Tyler Lockett depending on the coverage that you face. I mean, you have a – you know, you've got some – Decent tight end talent, too. I mean, I always really liked Gerald Everett personally. I thought he was a nice player. Um, But it's just the balance isn't quite there in terms of where you're going. The the Seahawks' offense as a whole, and I think this is also a product of the fact that you haven't had Russ, by the way, in this most recent game, because you have to change what you do when you have Geno Smith out there. And and putting Russ back in the fold, it's going to take, you know, even your offensive coordinator a little bit to get back into the rhythm with that guy as well. Um, But I I think that, you know, they just as, as a unit for the last few years have not had the best balance you know that there was last year when they were lightening up early in the season and then they didn't have as much running attack as as Pete Carroll wanted and and Chris Carson gets hurt and and you deal with that type of thing they just haven't been as explosive as you'd like on a consistent basis sometimes they explode but not on a consistent basis so when you don't have the defense that that elite defense to pair with it then it becomes you know your ceiling gets lowered And, and so it becomes a bit of a frustrating watch. And coming off of a game which you were shut out, um, you know that doesn't help, I think, the emotions the day after.
2: Nick, Seahawks offense obviously struggled. They get shut out. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they looked like themselves for the first time in a while. Patrick Mahomes, over 400 yards, five touchdowns, coming out of that Sunday night win against the Raiders. How confident are you that the Chiefs can at least get some of that spark back on a consistent basis going forward here?
1: Well, I thought they had a really good game plan to attack what the Raiders do, but it's interesting because the blueprint's out there for the Chiefs, right? It was put out there in the Super Bowl last year, and a lot of defenses have followed it to significant success against the Chiefs. Raiders did not want to do that. <laughs> they just kind of went with what they know and what has worked for them, and that was the game plan that the Chiefs were prepared for, and they countered it effectively. They got the ball out quickly. It opened up the shot plays later. It, it you know, put the Raiders' defense on its heels. And then defensively, once you went up by two scores, Steve Spagnuolo uh, just let it rip. You know, he just he pinned the defense's ears back and, and just went after Derek Carr to build that lead. So, you know, that game was close. It was closer than the final score indicated, but you could see it very quickly get away from the Raiders because of that combination. You don't get a stop here or you fumble away a deep reception here, and all of a sudden you're going from a 10-point game to a 21- or 24-point game. And and that's from you know, at that point you're toast. So I don't take... A ton out of that game, I always knew that Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi have been able to game plan well. It's just been when they've run into that same blueprint for the most part uh, that, that Tampa Bay put together last year, they've had a hard time adjusting. I do give them credit you know, for being prepared into that game, but I'm going to have to see more over the next few weeks to really put my uh, faith back in them.
0: Who's pulling away for the MVP for you? Because I do look at it right now, and I think Lamar Jackson You know, is – the, the, there's so much burden on him uh, in, to create offense for that team. You, you can make a case, hey, is he the most valuable to his organization? The other guy, and he had a massive day yesterday, Dak Prescott. Uh, it feels like the way – it feels like it, it, it's a car that is driven specifically for Dak Prescott, and he's thriving in it right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. As long as he can stay healthy, he's probably the leader. I thought Kyler Murray had a, had a pretty decent shot, but he's been off the field for the last couple mm-hmm. of games. So I think that kind of dinged him, too. Lamar, it's hard because you know how important he is to that offense. You know how much of a big play threat he is. But at the same time, you know, Miami did a great job against him Thursday night. They made him, you know, they frustrated the, the heck out of him. And, and they did what a few defenses have been able to do to him over the course of his career, which is, and this is really more systemic of it's emblematic of, of the Ravens offense struggles than it is Lamar, but you put him in third long situations and you just pressure him from the edge. Cause then you take away his escape lanes from the edge. If you're able to maintain some sort of gap integrity up front and you pressure him from the edge, he's got nowhere to escape and you kind of uh, cut him off at the knees of what he's able to do. And, um, and you just trust your defensive backs. can win downfield in single coverage, you know, and hope Lamar doesn't put it on him. And it's worked to various degrees in the last, you know, in the course of his career. And, And so it's just, it's hard for me to to really give him a ton of credit. You know, I know he had that great comeback against Indianapolis in prime time. He's, he's a great player, but in terms of total season resume right now, he's not really quite up there. It's weird though, because this MVP race is one of those things where I have a hard time kind of figuring it out Mm -hmm. because we have a hard time figuring out where a lot of this league is right now, specifically the AFC. And it's just, I, I think it's exactly what this, this season has been so far. It's been a little bit strange in that regard. So I think this is one that's, going to be open for a while.
2: Well, and another, you know, as you mentioned, the AFC specifically has been pretty hard to pin down, and I I don't think the result in terms of win-loss was necessarily shocking, but I thought the scoreline was pretty surprising in the Patriots-Browns game last night. Pat's going up big and winning 45-7. Does that result to you say more about New England and where they're at or more about the Browns right now?
1: I think New England's been playing great football for the last month, very complimentary football, disciplined football, executing extremely well. They got Trent Brown back yesterday and it showed the performance of their offensive line. I mean, just sharp on both sides of the ball, but it's also really an even better example of how great of coach Bill Belichick is defensively. And Josh McDaniels is offensively coordinating that offense. I mean, it's like the Patriots were a step ahead the entire game. The Browns had no answer. They had one good game script to start. And from there it was the wheels fell off. Joe Woods had no adjustments to make to The defensive coordinator as Miles Garrett complained afterward. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the Patriots are a team to be worried about. I'm not going to say that they're going to go win the Super Bowl yet, but they're, they're looking very good, and I think they got a shot against anybody at this point because they're going back to the, the, the key Belichick tenets, the things that really define those Belichick-Brady years, especially in the first decade of this century, uh, the first three Super Bowls they won where they're just sound on both sides of the ball. They don't do one thing significantly well, but they do everything pretty darn good. And and so I think that's what I take away from the Patriots, and then if you look at the Browns, it's like, well, you guys need to learn how to coach uh, in-game because mm-hmm. uh, they got a lot of work to do.
0: Uh, what about tonight uh, before you, uh, uh, before we let you go? Rams and 49ers tonight. It's interesting right now with Kyle Shanahan because they haven't won. He gets acclaimed as uh, a, a very, you know, Proactive genius, and I-, I think you know, you watch him on offense, you think, okay, this is really awesome, and I think there's a lot of validity to that. But you got to win, and they're not getting W's, they're three and five right now, they're not even winning at home. It- it's-, it's tough. Uh, what do you, you look know, for tonight?
1: They're almost cursed at home at this mm-hmm. point, it seems. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think this is the first time that we're watching Kyle Shanahan walk into an arena of legitimate cause for criticism, and, and I think he's very frustrated, and he almost looks you know, exasperated on the sideline in the last few weeks because they have their system, they got everything in place and it's just not working out. And and I know they had some issues against the Cardinals last week. um, And D'Amico Ryan's, you know, got some attention for that because Colt McCoy, you know, kind of lit them up in the short passing game mostly. And and they didn't stand much of a chance there. And, you know, you saw what the Panthers did to the Cardinals this week with Colt McCoy out there and eventually Chris Trevler. And it's like, why couldn't the 49ers do something similar? You know, in past years, it's been injuries and we don't have our quarterback. Well, you had some injuries, but for the most part, you're in a better situation than you've been in since that Super Bowl, since the season after that Super Bowl run. Uh, and you have your quarterback. You have two quarterbacks, and, and neither are quite getting the job done. So now what's the problem? So I think it's going to be a test for them the weeks ahead, but I don't give them a, a, a ton of stock in, in terms of a head-to-head matchup. Like I, you know, it's funny because every time I go into a game Thursday night, I like I told my girlfriend, I was like, oh, the Ravens are going to let the Dolphins hang around. All right, so the Ravens should blow them out, but knowing the Ravens will let them hang around win an and win on the last second field goal, because they've already done that a couple times this year. So I think the Rams are going to go blow out the 49ers, but then again, it's primetime football, and who knows. <laughs> I just don't give them a ton of a chance in that game.
0: Nick, uh, appreciate it, and uh, be well and enjoy the uh, game tonight. All right, thanks, guys. You too. That is Nick Shook from NFL.com.